that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Wednesday Buckeye Talk, talking schedule time. Doug Lamarie, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Big Ten revised the football schedule for the 2022 season. So, like, if you go to Ohio State games, this matters to you because, like, all the games, a lot of the games got switched around. Uh, the bye week changed. The nothing changed home and road and the opponents didn't change. But Nathan, like it's a pretty big revamp of the entire schedule, you know, save for Notre Dame in week one and Michigan at the end. Like we'll, we'll get to that and we'll discuss it, but why is this happening? I don't have a firm grasp. on like, why did they decide, why are they changing the schedule right now? Yeah. So it, it, people may remember they did this also last year and in 2020, they had to make some changes due to the revised schedule in the pandemic year people might remember that things got kind of blown up that year and that caused some imbalances in terms of uh teams playing each other in repeat years or some teams that had uh, i think some maybe some some home road stuff got messed up and so they've just been adjusting for that each of the past two years but as everyone can imagine if you want to change just one date for one team or two teams that play each other, then the domino effects kind of cascade throughout the conference. So that's why you're seeing this. Okay. So did anything I'm realizing it's probably an 11 minute podcast, which wouldn't be a terrible thing. Was anything surprising then the stuff that came out today? I was like, nah, as I expected. This was the same thing that happened to Ohio state last year. All of the opponents stayed the same and the home and road location stayed the same. They didn't end up with a situation like I'm trying to think I was just watching the broadcast. I should have written down which team they were talking about. I mean, it might've been Indiana Penn state. Somebody was going to have to play three games. Somebody would have hosted in that rivalry three years in a row. I can't remember exactly who it was, but there were some instances of that and they that weren't coming up for Ohio state. So nothing that drastic for Ohio state where you had to change an opponent or change the location of a game. Um, so it's for Ohio state. It was really more that they, their schedule changed because of other changes that had to happen other places. Okay. Steven, do we care? Does the schedule matter? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, but it, the, the opponents really didn't change much. So, like, it, it's it's not the biggest deal in the world. Yeah, so it's it, – I mean, it just changes the order. So, Ohio State's got to play Wisconsin a little bit earlier than they, maybe they were expecting to play them. But it's not a life-shattering event that just happened today. I mean, there, there were enough changes here that it can change the way that we talk about this season a little bit or will change the way that we discuss this season a little bit. Ohio State opens with Notre Dame. Obviously, nothing changed on the non-conference schedule. That's a tough opening game. If Ohio State were to have somehow lost that game, then their season, their Big Ten season would have opened at Michigan State, at Penn State, back-to-back. So that would have been, you know, three of their first five games would have been Notre Dame at home and then those two road games against a team that just won 10 games and a team that, uh, only won whatever six or seven and kind of underachieved, but is considered year in year out to be a, a big adversary in the East. So now instead of that, they play Wisconsin on September 24th. That's their big 10 opener. And they don't play a road game until October 8th at Michigan state. And they only play one road game of any kind before October 29th. So you're almost in the November before they're playing their second road game of the year. It does change 
the complexion of the season a little bit by moving these games around. And as Steven mentioned, the big crossover that they play this year, and they, they play Iowa too, and that, that there's an interesting flip with that game too. But instead of playing Wisconsin on November 12th, far into the season, now that is who you open Big Ten play against at home on October 20, September 24th. Okay, so the, the, the big thing, yeah, the big thing that happened is the big – the major Big Ten opponent early in the season is no longer Penn State. Now it's Wisconsin. That I think that was sort of what happened because so a couple of things I didn't like like in 2019 the idea that we didn't get a sense of that Ohio State team for like 10 weeks because their schedule was so terrible because they didn't play anybody good. Like I don't like that, and I have a Penn State thing that actually is opening the door here for me to want to talk about it. But I did think in the end it's like okay, well like they're still going to get. Because one of the things is, I don't know how good Michigan State's going to be next year. Like, this was kind of a one-year window of all these transfers, like, made them a 10-win team. And then, like, when they played Ohio State, actually, they weren't good against Ohio State. But, so, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where Michigan State is right now. The assumption of, like, well, Penn State's always at least talented, right? Wisconsin's usually Wisconsin, I think. The teams that you can make assumptions about in the Big Ten, besides Ohio State, I would say that it probably is, probably is Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. That if you sort of want to assume they're probably good enough for it to be a tough game against Ohio State, I think that's a safe assumption. And this still keeps one of them early, Nathan. And I'm very interested in that. Actually, I get the thing I want to know. I actually, when Penn State, where was Penn State originally on this schedule? October 1st. They, yeah. they, originally, they played the three non-conference games and then went at Michigan State, at Penn State, back-to-back weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And here's why. I actually really would like the idea of Ohio State and Penn State sort of claiming a weekend in the early mid part of the schedule that becomes like their rivalry weekend, a little bit like – um. Texas, Oklahoma is the Red River rivalry, but it's not the last weekend of the season, right? Because it's been Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and I don't know who Texas plays anymore. Texas plays, I don't know, UTEP or something. But that's been a rivalry, and it's kind of at a time in the schedule, and it's sort of, I think it's like early October. And I would love, I could totally see the Big Ten leaning into this, that Ohio State, Michigan is going to be late in the year, but there's going to be like this Ohio state Penn state test where they test each other, like in week six or week five or whatever it is. And you almost like seize on that because a couple of years ago, Ohio state played Penn state the second to last week of the regular season, the week before Michigan. And that's lunacy. That's crazy to me. So I do think Ohio state Penn state is a good enough rivalry and they're good enough teams to try to do something with that and to sort of make that the rivalry game in the first half of the schedule and Ohio state, Michigan is a rivalry game in the second half of the schedule. I would be totally into that, which is why I loved where Penn state was on October 1st. And now it's October 29th. And I don't like that. I don't know quite as much. Well, actually I think it, this may be coincidental, but this is the third year in a row that they've played they're on Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, I was getting ready to say so that. So they're kind of doing maybe by accident what you're wanting. You're saying you want it earlier than the season than that, though. I, I like it as a, like an early indication 
Let's see. The Red River rivalry is like the second weekend in October. October 9th, October 10th, October 12th, October 6th. Like that's where they usually set it. It's like the first or it's the second weekend in October. Sometimes the first. I like that a little bit more of like, it's not, you know, you're four or five weeks in and it's like, here we go. But I don't know. I guess I'd buy it. Just make sure that Ohio State, Penn State has enough space, Stephen, from Ohio State, Michigan. That should be a priority of the schedule makers. And if you want to make it this haunted, then that's bad. We'll call it the Wolfman rivalry. What can we call it? Call it the Jack-O-Lantern. Play for like a big uh, thing of candy. What could we play for? Could we play for like a vampire? I don't know if it needs a trophy. I, I just like a vampire trophy. How about a vampire trophy? The van. I, let's do. But if you want to do something, so I don't know. Did they stumble into this? All right, whatever. But like, please don't jam Ohio State, Penn State right up against Ohio State, Michigan, and let's try to make it cool. No, I do like that. I. I mean. As Nathan pointed out, it, it's become coincidental, but this kind of idea of having one really, really significant big game per month in a three-month schedule for college football, obviously you'll have like the non-conference version in September, the early season, and then maybe Penn State just slides in at Halloween and you close out the year with Michigan. It does add a little bit of balance to your schedule if you're also sprinkling in some other quality opponents. But in a world where every single year, whoever your non-conference power five opponent is, and then Penn State and Michigan are your three biggest games of the year, there should be some space in between those games. Because it's almost like a checkpoint of where you're at in the season of, okay, okay, we judged them based off of how they were in the early season. Now we're midway through the season and they're going to play Penn State now. It's at the end of the season and now we're talking about playoffs. I would push back a little bit on what you were saying before, though, about the need to have Penn State maybe early in the year as a test. Because – 2019 is not an example of a prolonged problem with the schedule. That was an anomaly. They had a better non-conference game schedule for that year that got taken off the schedule, got replaced by – they didn't play a Power 5 non-conference opponent that year. Um, and Cincinnati was not Cincinnati yet, and it went 42 to nothing or whatever it did. Most years, though, I mean, we saw it last year with Oregon. We're going to see it this year with Notre Dame. I mean, every year there's, there's a non-conference – game on the front of the schedule that tells you a lot about where Ohio state is. But I also think, but also a lot of years, there's like five big 10 games that suck. So like, sure. I don't like, like, even if, even if you have a decent non-conference game, I don't like when the big 10 schedule starting in the last weekend, September is like suck, 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 Michigan state, suck, suck, Penn state, suck, Michigan, like space that out. So I will say looking at the history of Ohio state, Penn state, Here's the dates that they played uh, Ohio State, Penn State. I don't remember when they played this year, but 2020. It was Thanksgiving. It was it was it was Halloween. Halloween. Okay, so the, so the last year's was Halloween, and and in 2019 it was November 23rd. Right. Um, 2018 was September 29th. I like that, and then it has sort of been late October. October 28th, October 22nd, October 17th, October 25th, October 26th, October 27th. They actually kind of had honed in on like that last weekend in October, which is where they are now. Maybe they have accidentally done this and we didn't realize it. It's like the last weekend of October is Ohio State, Penn State. Let's do something with it, Big Ten. I hate when you, so when I was a kid, I worked at Hershey Park. I sold chicken fingers. I sold t-shirts. I'd make chicken fingers and put them in my pocket and eat them. But that's Hershey Park in Pennsylvania. I know some of you guys, uh, people listening, have gone to Hershey Park. It's based around chocolate. It's a chocolate town. It's called Chocolate Town, USA. 
And so they had this amusement park. It's pretty good. But like you would go and you would just like go on roller coasters. It was like, well, which one is called like the Hershey bar roller coaster? They had a thing called the kissing tower and the windows were shaped like Hershey kisses. And that was good. But I was like, why don't you theme this more? It make it a chocolate amusement park. Don't just have it be a roller coaster. Call the roller coaster something chocolate related. Theme it. Theming matters. I could be a wedding planner. I'll plan your wedding. We have a theme. You guys know this. Everything I, I want everything to be a series. I want everything to have a theme. It's an eleven-part series about this theme, 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 theme. It gives structure. It adds importance. It makes it cool. So theme this. Don't accidentally wind up on Halloween weekend. Let's do something. Big Ten Network, do something about this. I don't like it in November, I, I and I would like were, it earlier. We'll go, go ahead. I'm just I, I'm imagining you. I think what you're actually pushing for is like on the Simpsons when Homer has that fantasy about how he can just like run around to every place in town and just eat like the mailboxes. And, and like, is that what you're pushing for? Or you just want, you just want a theme. No, I just, if you have a thing that's happening, you have an amusement park in a town built on chocolate. Name one of your roller coasters, the Reese's pieces roller coaster. Right. And now they have done that. Now they've leaned into the theming at Hershey Park a little bit more, but it took them forever. If you're going to accidentally play Ohio State, Penn State, and it's the second best rivalry in the Big Ten. And you're going to accidentally play it on Halloween weekend, then make it cool. I'm not saying even trophy. You don't have to make a vampire trophy. But quit stumbling into things, but also then do it. Uh, 2011, November 19th. 2010, November 13th, 2009, November 7th. Don't like that. 2006, September 23rd. That frankly seems a little bit early, but find it then. I mean, just like we're not, we don't move Ohio State, Michigan off the last weekend of the regular season. Let's be cool. Just be cool, Big Ten. So who's in favor? Everybody raise their hand. Raise your hand if you're in favor of leaning in to Penn State, Ohio State on Halloween weekend. It's permanent. I mean, again, if permanent, what does permanent mean? doesn't mean 100 out of 100, but try. If it's 93 out of 100, fine. And then do something cool with it. Who's all in favor of that? Raise your hand. I'm in uh, favor of playing it earlier than November. I do think you should space it out. I think I, I agree with your larger premise. But you don't want a theme? You just want to stumble through, ah, make up a schedule, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that worried about it. Steven, you want to theme it or no? I mean, I don't know if it has to be themed spooky something, but I'm all for the Ohio State Penn State game being on Halloween weekend or as close to it as possible. Being the, basically being the last weekend of October. I like that. And then you, and then you can do because a Penn State already makes it the whiteout. Yeah. Right. I mean, every time anyway. And it then Ohio State. The game that when Penn State, like every year, Ohio State's going to have a game where it throws out some alternate jerseys. What if it's just the Penn State game when that's at home? And they and they can and Ohio State didn't they do the blackout for Penn State? They've done no. Right? They did the they, scarlet out this year for Penn State, and okay. then I can't remember what they did in. Well, it was during the daytime in 2019, but they did. Yeah, they they debuted this all scarlet jerseys this year. So yeah, that's just when Penn State's at home, it can be a night game where it's always a night game. That's your you know, your big game night game in the Big Ten for Ohio State and Penn State every year. But what if they encourage people? I mean, you can wear white, but what if you wore like a Halloween costume too? while you're wearing it in the theme. And what if your Halloween costume was like murdering the opponent? Like you're a murderer. Everybody, let's call it a murder out. Everybody dress up like a murderer. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Murder 
murder because it's just football, right? Theme it. All right, I'm going to call. Hold on. I'm going to call Kevin Warren. I have like a thousand things. to. Hey, Kevin, you know how you're trying to expand the playoff and like it's not going well? I want to talk to you about Halloween costumes for the Ohio State-Penn State game. All right, I'm going to go call Kevin Warren. Then we'll come back and do more on Buckeye Talk. All right, so if you're a themer and you're with me, let's do it. Nathan doesn't care. Steven's into it, doesn't necessarily want the murder. I understand that. Does Do we think Nathan did it get harder, easier? Are there, when you're looking for like, oh, you know, you talked about that Penn State, Michigan State stretch early back to back. When we look at this schedule now, is there is there a tough stretch? Is there a, uh-oh, watch out? for that team at that time kind of thing? What do we think? I think it got a little bit easier to handle. They got a a little bit more balanced. Um, You know, again, opening with a long stretch at home. I don't know if that's that's better or worse. It would depend on the quality of the road games you're playing later. But because they played three of the last five on the road, but two of those are at Northwestern at Maryland. So it depends on how much you you care about those teams. The only back-to-back road games are at Penn State at Northwestern. Previously, Ohio State and Iowa played on October 15th and then had the next week off. And I think it makes sense for uh, to make that game as good as it can be to just flip that. And so now they're both off on October 15th and then play the next week at Ohio Stadium. So I don't know. I think it, it got a little bit more balanced. And um, I, certainly it, the one thing that seemed like it might be a tough stretch was that back-to-back at Michigan State, at Penn State, that now you just don't have. I mean, depending on – Northwestern might have another one of those really good years after what they did last year. It seems like that's when the case with them is every other year they're really good. So if that's the case, you know, the back-to-back road games with Penn State and Northwestern might be interesting. But for the most part, there's no – as things stand right now and what we know about teams' rosters, it's kind of hard to say, oh, yeah, this is a tough stretch for you because things are so balanced. I mean, the I'm biggest look- thing might be for, as you said before, Doug, the people who – maybe had already started scheduling things for next fall based on what they thought the Ohio state schedule was. Cause now yeah. like did somebody screw up and try to get a wedding in on October 15th and now there's going to be, or October 22nd. Now there's going to be a game that day. No, I mean, for real, if you planned something in Ohio state's bye week and the bye week just changed and it mucked up your life, particularly if it's wedding related, let us know. We'll write about you and we'll talk about you and we'll call Kevin Warren on your behalf. So send us a tweet or send us a text or email us um, at cleveland.com. The emails are just first initial last name at cleveland.com. You guys can email us there, but that would be, I mean, that's real life, right? I mean, that's, that's real life. So it, it is a little late to sort of be like, Oh no, I mean the bye week moved one week, but that could be enough to screw up your plans. I'm looking at, one of these way too early top 25s. I don't know who invented the way too early top 25, but I swear I'm going to do it. I have a list of things I always say I'm going to do. I'm going to do a way too early top 25 for 2023, like next week. So because we've been leaning into what Ohio State's going to be in 2023, and I'm going to try to figure out like which uh, current junior in high school is going to make a big difference in that year. Um, Looking at the way too early top 25, I make fun of it, but I'm also using it as a reference point. The ESPN one has Iowa 15th. They have Michigan State 10th. So while I was like, I don't know how good is Michigan State going to be, I will say now it's at Michigan State on October 8th. By week on October 15th, 
home against Iowa October 20th at Penn State October 29th. Nathan, that could be, I mean, Iowa, right? They're defensive. They run the ball. They throw to tight ends. That sure. will be a physical game. Iowa, Penn State, that, that's a bit of a double dip, I think. Like I, to have, you know, again, compared to Michigan State, Penn State, I guess it winds up being pretty similar. I will be curious how good uh, Iowa is next year. They're losing Tyler Linderbaum, the, the center that everybody loves. But uh, that's that's a little two-game stretch there that's something. Yeah, and and to go back to your Michigan State point, you know, Howard Griffith was on um, the broadcast today saying he thinks Michigan State's going to be better next year than they were this year, even losing Kenneth Walker. So um, that's probably, yeah, the, the one space. But, you, again, it's split up by a bye week. Um, you get a home game. The Iowa at Penn State back-to-back is tough, but um, kind of going back to your earlier point, you would hope that, Every year, at some point, you have two back-to-back games that are tough. Otherwise, it's a pretty lame schedule. Well, but it often is a lame schedule, right? Which is which is part of the whole point, which is always the balance that we're constantly talking about in this podcast. If it's like, oh, the Big Ten stinks, but then Ohio State can run roughshod. And then it's like, oh, the Big Ten's good. Then it's like, all right, well, now all of a sudden, uh, life just got substantially harder. I'm looking again at this thing that I'm making fun of, the way to really top 25 You know, Stephen, this just like in general, this is a little bit of a chance to talk about the schedule. You know, some of these teams might be pretty decent. I'm actually looking. Wisconsin's not or excuse me. Penn State is not in this preseason top 25, but um, I don't know if I agree with that. There are five current opponents, Ohio State in the ESPN way to early top 25. That's just the one that came up in my Google search. They're second people on the schedule for next year. Michigan's fifth, Notre Dame's sixth. Michigan State 10th, Iowa 15th, Wisconsin 24th, and then Penn State is not in there. But Drew Aller might be playing quarterback, even though Sean Clifford's coming back for an 11th year. Um, That's a pretty – that's five legitimate programs, Stephen, plus Penn State for a 12-game schedule. You know, sometimes – I mean, again, the crossovers didn't change – but the Iowa and Wisconsin are on the crossover now in a world where this year they played Purdue and whatever else they played, Minnesota. That's a that's a pretty good slash tough schedule, Stephen, is it not? Regardless of the order it's in. Yeah, I know it's a way too early, but if you know the actual preseason AP poll looks anything close to that, I, I think we could all assume if Penn State's not in it, they're like 26th or 27th. They're like right on the outside. That's basically playing a preseason ranked team every other week when you boil down the schedule. Well, especially when you take out the two, you know, mid-major opponents that they're going to be by 60 next year, that's actually one of the tougher schedules maybe in the country then that you're talking about. Cause you're starting the season off with a top 10 team and then a top 25 team, and then another top 10 team and then another top 15. Yeah, that's, I mean, we, we spent some time before, obviously before the Michigan game talking about you know, the, 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 the kind of, you know, schedule that they were going to have to end the season with this year to have to win a national title playing so many ranked opponents. That might just be their entire schedule if things hold. Even if Drew Aller is not the starting quarterback, I, I think Sean Clifford, no, he's not the five-star taking you over the top, but he's built enough of a reputation in his 25 years as a starter to make Penn State a respectable program. Uh, you guys want to dig in on Arkansas State? I'm, I thought Arkansas State has been like a good program as a mid-tier program over time. They were terrible this year. I didn't realize that. I think they went 2-10 and 10 
Um, I didn't realize they were that bad. We'll see if they bounce back next year. When they scheduled them, I remember when they came on the schedule, that's a place I'm trying to think who it was, but that's a place that's been a jumping off point for some coaches in the bat in the past. I know that they have been uh, competitive at times. And again, same with Toledo. Toledo has been competitive at times uh, in the past. And it's like, are they going to be that competitive next year? But in, in the end, it is a pretty darn good schedule and how it pieces together does matter to some degree. But the biggest thing, Nathan, is that when your crossovers are Wisconsin, and again, as Stephen said, Northwestern, maybe Northwestern gets it together because they've been terrible, good, terrible, good. They're coming off terrible. Maybe they'll be good. Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern as your crossovers is a different world than um, where Ohio State has been at times at the past. The inter- And again, I know Ohio State's like been selling at their home schedule, especially like is pretty pretty crazy for in terms of like interesting games that people get to see up close because um, Notre Dame's at home, Wisconsin's at home, Iowa's at home, Michigan's at home. So that makes for at least uh, entertaining Saturdays in Columbus, Nathan, at the very least. Yeah. You are always a little bit at the mercy of just the schedule matrix and how it pops up. And there is some design to it, but, but some of it is just who you haven't played and who you're due to play and, and, and stuff like that. And people might forget in 2020, in addition to those games that Ohio state lost to cancellations because of the pandemic, it's original big 10 schedule also had a game against Iowa. So you, you, you missed out before the season even started on, on playing a, a game. And that was something that was like kind of hanging over their heads as people were debating, you know, what, what their standing was in terms of the playoffs. So I think it's good for Ohio state. I mean, Ohio state should welcome a draw like this where it gets three potentially good teams from the West, I think, because most years you're still going to be better and you're, you know, it, it if you're worried about getting challenged, if you're worried about, you know, figuring those, those things out in, in real time against real competition, this gives you an opportunity to do that. Do you guys know who the Arkansas state head coach is, by the way, I just looked it up. Uh, no, that's, uh, no, I don't. Never mind. Butch Jones. Butch Jones is the head coach there. Blake Anderson had been the head coach at Arkansas state yeah, for a long time. And he left, that. he left to take the uh, Utah state job. He was pretty good there for a while. But before Blake Anderson, three straight years, 11, 12, 13, they went Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn, Brian Harson, who then all jumped to bigger jobs right away. And then Blake Anderson came and sort of steadied it. But you look at, again, Arkansas State uh, dating back to 2011. From 2011 to 2019, these were their records. 10 and 3, 10 and 3, 8 and 5, 7 and 6, 9 and 4, 8 and 5, 7 and 5, 8 and 5, 8 and 5. Then they fell off the last two years, four and seven, two and 10. Again, Butch Jones, as you guys know, former Tennessee coach, former Cincinnati coach, sort of in the recycling bin of coaches. But, but you know, it'd be interesting if Arkansas State gets it together a little bit. And then again, Matt Campbell, former Toledo coach, Jason Candle took over there and kind of kept it going to a decent degree. They were seven and six this year, lost the Bahamas Bowl, uh, four and two last year, six and six, seven and six. 11 and 300 Jason Campbell in 2017. So we're not going to pretend we know a ton about the ins and outs of what Toledo is going to look like next year. But, you know, those are two programs that it's not Akron. No offense. Or it's not Kent State to for people who are fans of Akron or Kent State. It's hey, hold like, on. 
Kent State's terrible, doesn't they? They're pretty good now. No, they're good now. They've we we make bowl games now, and we won the MAC I think a couple years ago. Oh, I apologize. Um, we did stink for a long time though. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So from uh, the bottom of his heart, he apologizes. No, I yeah. That's how I apologize for everything. It's like, oh, whatever. Sorry, I didn't know what I said. So the, uh, so yeah, that could be interesting. But again, obviously, the, the idea that Marcus Freeman is coming in here with Notre Dame, and that you potentially like Ohio State starting with a top ten opponent and ending with a top ten opponent is a pretty good schedule. And there, it's like on some level, it's just like, well, yeah, it's the Big Ten. What are we talking about? It's Ohio State. This is how it's supposed to be. It's not always like that. So I want to acknowledge, I mean, sometimes as we say, it's like, oh, God, here comes the five-game stretch of horrible opponents that are going to tell us nothing about Ohio State football, and it's not going to be that way next year. But yet there's also, it's not the thing that, like, we were looking at Minnesota or Oregon and saying, like, they're going to be starting a new quarterback. We don't know. It's like, it's a good schedule, Nathan, and I think Ohio State should be like, yeah, let's go. Bring it on. Like, we're ready for this. Yes, it's Jim Knowles, and that's new. And yes, there are certainly some parts of this that are new, and there'll be some new guys on the offensive line. But there's not anything. They should welcome a good schedule in 2022, not fear it. Well, and I think they should also welcome the chance for – how do I want to say this? Because sometimes non-marquee games can also tell you a lot about your team. Let's go back to the Tulsa game last year where Ohio State's up by a touchdown with four minutes to play. Like That told us a lot about where that team was at the moment and maybe where that team was for the entirety of 2021. Some things that, that lingered even as they figured out some of the other issues with quarterback play and things like that. So I think what they should welcome is not just those challenges early on, but you've got to, when you play Arkansas State, when you play Toledo, you should show the separation there. Those are also opportunities, even though they're not, you know, top flight opponents. Those are chances to show who you really are, too. All right, we'll take one last quick break, come back. I think we'll plan the pod on the pod, which we like to do sometimes. Next on Buckeye Talk. So I keep promising this. I haven't done it yet. I want to do the wrap up with sort of categories of like best of Ohio State for the 2000. 21 season so i was thinking we'd have like most outstanding offensive player most outstanding defensive player you guys cool with that yeah i think like newcomer of the year on both sides of the ball are you guys good with that seems Uh, reasonable play of the year is that is that worth it yes and then what else is there anything else if it's those five is there anything that i'm Missing, and I'll send it out to the texters, 614-350-3315, and then I'll ask the texters for nominations for all of these, and then I'll sift through the nominations, and I'll come up with the official whatever, five or seven or whatever that we're going to send out, and then we'll vote on those, and then all of us will get our votes as well. But if if we go those five, what else should we do? Oh. Do you want to do anything with the coaching staff? Do we want to do anything with... So- I mean, some of it I tried like, like assistant coach of the year, or whatever kind of. It's gonna be Brian. Yeah, it's gonna be Brian Hartline for that one, and then and nobody deserves it on defense. Um, and I don't really want to do like worst. I mean, I normally I, think, I do, but I don't feel like doing it for this. I think we can do like biggest surprise on both sides of the ball. Most surprising player. We just have to be careful. Like it, that, yeah. that to me has to be like somebody who had played before, but 
you know, like, cause that can't be newcomer. Like Jack Sawyer can't be biggest surprise. Right. Because no, it's like, no, well, cause, yeah, cause he, he was just one. new. So he's just, a, yeah. so it's like a new guy who leapt up that. Well, it's a new guy who, who isn't the most outstanding, but also isn't a newcomer. We could yeah. do that. Do we have enough nominees for something like that? Do you think, do you think there's enough of a variety <laughs> that we're not all going to say the same person? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think there's enough. If you just like pick the guy, um, I would I don't say don't do offense defense for that one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, if you just pick a guy, then I think that that one works. I think is is Jackson, consider that one. Is Jackson Smith and Jigba going to be everyone's pick though? Well, it, it depends because Denzel Burke's kind of a surprise, but he's a newcomer. Fact, that's what I'm he's saying. He's a newcomer. You're doing yeah. newcomer. Yeah, uh, I mean, we just workshopped uh, it. We just workshopped well, it. Hold on, hold on. Um, it's either going to be him. Yeah, he's going to win. But then, like, second is probably Ronnie Hickman having 100 tackles. I don't think anybody would have. I don't want to be your most outstanding player on defense, too. I mean, yeah. I, I, think, I don't yeah, want to do categories where there's an obvious answer. Yeah, we can scrap it. If, but... if people want that category to be included in what we do for that podcast, just go clip what we just said out and attach it into that podcast on your own. Yeah, and it'll be there. Yeah. We just had the discussion. Yeah, right. So we could okay. also we could do something that maybe spins ahead to next year too, a category of like um uh most promising well but I think that, or that, moment that or, might fold in this is backwards. This is like the the uh what do you call them the Oscars. So I think what I do think because we've got to do the depth chart stuff soon, and I think we can do some stuff with that. Like let's look ahead now, let's let's predict, you know, that kind of stuff. We could do our January predictions for best newcomer offense and defense player of the year, most of, you know, guy who's going to make the leap or kind of stuff. So I do think if we're just, if we keep this looking back, I think we can maybe do those five and we'll stick with that. All right. I'll send that out soon. I'll send it out on Wednesday or Thursday and we'll start voting. Okay. As always, we enjoy planning the podcast on the podcast. Someday we'll plan a planning podcast on the podcast. And then you guys could just stop listening at that point. Uh, college football survivor show. Again, we wrapped up the national title game there shahan and i did that this week uh if you cared all about the browns orange and brown talk podcast we're leaning into like all the options the browns have with baker mayfield and i'm talking about this because i just recorded those two podcasts right before i did this we have a lot of stuff coming what do you guys have coming on the site at cleveland.com with ohio state coverage anything you know that you're working on that might drop as a story in the next days or weeks uh, the thing that I texted about yesterday, uh, the conversation I had with Gene Smith, some other conversation I've been having, just sort of an examination of the relationship between OSU and its uh, big donors and whether that changes um, under the new NIL reality. I'm hoping to have that for what's today. I'm hoping to have that for Thursday morning on the site. And I'm also trying to call around and get some unique sources on both Jim Knowles and Justin Fry. I'm supposed to talk to one of Knowles's former players at Duke later today, uh, someone who was there during his transition when he came in at Duke and uh, just to kind of find out um, his impressions of him and, and uh, what, what a transition to a Knowles defense kind of looks like from what he remembers. It's been, you know, 10 years for him or whatever, but uh, so that's the kind of things I'm, I'm sort of batting around right now. And uh, Stephen, what's going on with you? Are you just diving into basketball at this point? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's 
it's a hard shift of basketball a little bit since they're good again. They are a top 15 team in the country, probably a top 10 team in the country right now. If they didn't have to take a COVID break for three weeks and completely lose all that momentum they had after that Wisconsin win. Uh, Thursday morning, look for a story on Malachi Brenham and EJ Liddell. I mean, EJ has been doing this all season, basically been a 20, 25 point scorer the entire season outside of two games where he kind of hit a rough patch there. And it looks like Malachi Brenham is doing exactly what I thought he was going to do at the beginning of the season to where it was going to take a little bit of time. But by the time we got to late December, early January, he was going to start looking like that secondary score. And those two are coming off a Northwestern game where they combine for 58 points. And as they go into this Wisconsin game on Thursday night, this just seems like the expectation going forward, not 58 points, but the idea of those are your two guys who are a threat to go for 20, 25 points at any time in the at any time in a game uh, that's starting to click now and it's coming at the right time. All right. We'll certainly dive in with another full basketball podcast at some point here, the next couple of weeks uh, for now for Stephen means and Nathan Baird. I'm Douglas Maurice. And that was Buckeye talk. 